The concepts of fate and destiny have a big role in the Star Wars universe, especially in regards to our storied Skywalkers. In this episode, we explore the ways in which our favorite characters have been destined for greatness, or how they have chosen that path for themselves. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about fate and destiny. And I feel like it has been a while since we've done a traditional Sky Talkers episode. Oh we, my God, I know. I'm like, what was the last three-part episode with a prologue? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was our like saga teaser trailer analysis, but Did like we... at the same time, that wasn't even three parts. Yeah, and it can... just feels it has to be Yoda. It's literally the summer series. <laughs> yes. It's it's so crazy because it feels like it's been so long. I'm like a little nervous. I'm glad that we're doing this topic just because I feel like it'll be more conversational almost like I don't really we don't really have that much notes for it Mm -hmm. and it'll like kind of get us back into the swing of things because I think we need that yeah but it's funny because we just had so many things coming out with like panels and stuff from D23 and Dragon Con that we were so busy but it was just like a different type of podcast busy (laughs) and then we're like okay and then I was moving and so we were like okay this is like a good time to you know take a little bit of a break and then we're both like okay so like when's the next episode (laughs) and I was like as soon as I get internet working in my new apartment (laughs) when we don't podcast I get like anxious about podcasting Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like I get like I wish I was podcasting there's so much Star Wars I want to talk about but then I'm also like I'm tired <laughs> I but I'm like, I want to ah, be in the game. I want to podcast again. That's yeah. it's it's very strange. Yeah, and then I just constantly reminded that like this is the calm before the storm. Somehow, exactly. Somehow, our exactly. two weekends of back to back cons were the calm before the storm. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> But it's true. Like once October starts, it's like we have Resistance, and then we have Mandalorian, and when, then we have October the Rise of Skywalker. That's in like a week and a half. Like two I know. weeks is when Resistance comes back. I'm so nervous, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna I, be so much. It's gonna be. I I don't know how. Like I'm not sure what our schedule is gonna look like, but. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to be podcasting like all weekends. It's going to be crazy. Because like January, if we do the same kind of content, like the same episode schedule that we did for The Last Jedi, trying to mix in Resistance and Mandalorian. Oh, no. I And then, and then, and then February, Clone Wars starts too. <laughs> it's funny because I think a couple weeks ago we were like, that's a good time. Like Clone yeah. Wars coming back in February. It's like, it's a good time. It'll be like after like all the hype from the rise of Skywalker dies down and now I'm like it's too soon I know even though we literally (laughs) had last Jedi episodes for two like two straight months after the last Jedi came out and and we've got our anniversary episode that'll be in there somewhere too because our anniversary I also I wish our anniversary wasn't not in January January. that was part of us (laughs) yeah that's Oops. that rogue one effect for you. <laughs> yeah. Still. 
But that one's that one's an easy one. Good old Q and A. But still, it's like so much is happening. I'm already tired, but I'm also <laughs> really excited. It's so weird. Like today, I was like, man. I just can't wait to have some Star Wars to watch again. And I was like, you know what, Charlotte? Like, you can't, like, don't think that. You have so much <laughs> Star Wars to watch. There's like 10 <laughs> movies of Star Wars to watch. <laughs> but then I'm also like, Charlotte is Lucasfilm's favorite kind of fan. She's like, when am I going to get new Star Wars? Even though she literally has 45 years worth of Star Wars. I just, I'm, I'm really excited for Disney Plus so I can, like, mm-hmm. dive back into rewatching the Clone Wars and and Rebels again. I really just want to rewatch Rebels. So each time yeah. I'm like, oh, I finished a show. Like maybe I can go back and watch Rebels. And I'm like, no. Oh, <laughs> I have to wait, you know. <laughs> wait patiently for Disney Plus. <laughs> yes. But did you see that apparently um Rebels had one of the biggest like spikes of interest on Disney Plus? I know. I'm tra- so proud of my Rebels. Right? You go, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Everyone wants – I think that there are people who are, like, genuinely curious about watching Rebels, especially since I think the effect of people watching The Clone Wars was so great after mm-hmm. they added it to Netflix. But yeah. I feel like people are like, what's this other show? Like, I really enjoyed watching Clone Wars. That really gave me a new depth of perspective for the prequels. I think that people have the same effect for Rebels mm-hmm. and, like, crave that. And Disney Plus will deliver – it will. It will. The other thing I'm really excited for on Disney Plus that is, I don't think has a date yet, but is, of course, the Lizzie McGuire series. <laughs> yes. So Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's not coming for a really long time. It's not, but I'm looking forward to it. And the fact that, like, old Lizzie is going to have her 13-year-old subconscious cartoon still with her just, yeah. like, really speaks to me at this stage in my life. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. It's of, great. Of like, I should be an adult, but I'm not. <laughs> but I have a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, even though it was a while ago, we had two weekends of conning. What was your favorite thing we did? Okay. Okay. What was your favorite thing we did at D23? My favorite thing we did at D23 was the movies panel, but then just because of the people that we were with, like, we just had such a great time, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, such a great Raylo freakout. But also, um, I think my favorite was going to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll do, like, on Patreon a whole discussion about our trip to Disneyland and Galaxy's Edge, but that was – it was really fun. Yeah. I think – I think my favorite was our Vader Immortal interview. I just, like – you and I have discussed a lot about how something we want to work on in the next year is like being better interviewers. And then literally like a week after we talked about that, we were asked if we wanted to do an interview about Peter <laughs> Morton. We we're like, well, I guess <laughs> here's our chance. I guess we're going. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was great. It was, it was really great. And one, it was just like a really great conversation and, um, like the um, all the people we interviewed, like Matt and then Matt Martin and Ben Snow and Jose Perez, um, they were just like really generous with their time and with their answers and felt like it felt like a really good conversation. Like it didn't feel like an interview. But then at the same time, I was just like really proud of us for like doing it and like getting through yeah. it. 
I know. I feel the same way. And so that felt good on like a podcast level and then also on like a like a personal level too of like, oh, we did this really cool thing. And it was really fun too. Like I was nervous and then it turned out really fun as well. So Caitlin and I were so nervous, guys. (laughs) Nervous. I'm so nervous. I think it's funny because like you and I have not like we're not in those situations together a lot. You know what I mean? Like before like big presentations in school, like we weren't in high school in our junior and senior year. So I feel like that's not emotions we usually share with each other. Like we're not together in those kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so <laughs> the, like morning that morning we're like okay so this, like this is how we act when we're nervous and like I don't eat and I don't talk <laughs> and Charles was like are you okay and I was like yes <laughs> and it was like the closer to the interview time just like the more silent I became <laughs> it's so true <laughs> Charles was like I need you to respond to me <laughs> In my situation, like when I get really nervous, like I also get quiet, but I think that because you were taking on the brunt of that quietness, I was like... Overcompensating. Yeah. The like cancer in me is like, are you okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> let's laugh about this. Haha, <laughs> emotions. Like, <laughs> I was like, I can't walk on the show floor. Can we just please sit down and not speak and like go over our questions again? <laughs> Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, that is what we did. Um, but yeah, it's just like the closer and closer we got, the less I talked and like responded <laughs> to anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all of D23 was so much fun. And then, okay, so then Dragon Con. I don't know. I was like really happy that you were able to host that one panel and be the moderator. I think that was another like in in the theme of like important personal steps. I thought that was like a pretty good good thing to witness. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. I think the the funniest thing that I don't know for some reason always pops in my head about Dragon Con is when we tried to go to the Allie and AJ concert, but there was a oh my fire. <laughs> There's a fire. There's a legit <laughs> fire. And so we got there and everyone was leaving. Like like the sirens were on in the building. <laughs> we were like, okay. And we were with our friend Swara and Swara was literally getting a sandwich while the fire alarms were going off. <laughs> we we're like, Swara, we might have to leave you. <laughs> like we're being evacuated. <laughs> but it was fine it was it was fine it was really funny though because I was like oh my god the Allie and AJ concert because if you haven't listened to Allie and AJ's um EP Sanctuary it's so so good and so so Raylo (laughs) in my opinion wanted to go that's literally why I wanted to go and we didn't get to hear them because it was too hot to handle (laughs) yes literally yeah but both those weekends were amazing and exhausting, and I felt like it took me a whole week and a half to recover from both of them. Oh, yeah. But I'm really happy to be back to, like, some normalcy with our schedule, with, like, the summer kind of winding down and just kind of, like, getting back into, like, a a swing of things, you know? Mm-hmm. But in this intro part, so I think we should like kind of switch gears because we don't we don't normally do this. We usually kind of talk about our topic within the certain parts. But I think that this topic kind of begs to be talked about in our intro section rather than in its respective parts. If that makes sense, um, maybe that's a little too pedantic for for you guys. But um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> that's my right, mood let's, break, let's break down our own structure. 
<laughs> Let's subvert expectations. <laughs> no, no, we're just we're just gonna give an overview of the topic in the intro instead of its own part. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> Thank you. Today we're talking about fate and destiny, which are really big concepts that I feel like are kind of pervasive throughout all of our discussions of Star Wars, honestly. Uh, for for like any topic of Star Wars, I feel like this idea really comes into play. But we wanted to like actually take time to talk about them individually. And as we do, we like to break it down, like the differences between these and how they are represented throughout the saga and kind of what they mean for all of our characters, which I think it's going to be kind of like our discussion on concealment, where for me anyway, it was like, oh, this seems kind of obvious. And then you actually start discussing it and you're like, oh my God, like this is very important. (laughs) And I hadn't thought about it from these other perspectives, you know, like you think you have an idea of how like concealment affects like Star Wars and how fate and destiny does. And you're like, yeah, that's still true. But there are all these other pieces that I didn't consider until we actually took the time to go through it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I really wanted to do this episode just because, like Caitlin said, it feels like it's everywhere. And I also think that in our in our parts, which I will just say right now, we're going to be talking about Anakin, Rey, and Kylo Ren. I just feel like it just comes up so often with these characters. What does destiny and what does fate mean to all of them? And I think the way to start is obviously by defining both of those because I think that they're terms that kind of get thrown around and maybe that's okay, maybe it's not. So let's start with fate because I think that fate is something that comes up, like has come up forever in stories. So fate is clearly the inevitable or an adverse outcome. Caitlin here put this quote, uh, which I think is a, is a good one perhaps to start with, is uh, in Anakin in Revenge of the Sith when he is talking to Palpatine after Obi-Wan gets kind of crushed by this like balcony. <laughs> and lives uh, this, to tell the tale. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, and lives to tell the tale. Um <laughs> It's just like such a particular moment. It's kind of weird. He says his fate will be the same as ours. And I always really liked that line. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. It felt like I think the music does something also. It cuts to the next scene like right after that. So it like is purposely dramatic. But I think that this concept of like determining one's fate does come up often and like their endpoints. I always I also liked that too because Obi-Wan's fate was always... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to take that too far. I'm not going to. <laughs> not right out of the game. You can't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you think about the different connotations of like fate and destiny, and I think destiny might actually be the more interesting word, but fate definitely has that ominous vibe, you know, an adverse outcome. And the way that Anakin talks about it in that scene, Revenge of the Sith, it very much is like, well, if we die he dies too, you know, like and yeah. if we live, he lives, but they're in this super dire situation. And so Anakin is kind of saying like what we always say about Ray and Kylo, like we live and die together, you know, and that's just mm-hmm. super like the chips are down. It's very much kind of like Jen's line as well in Rogue One, you know, like um, we'll take this chance and then the next one and then the next one until we run out of chances. And there's that inevitability uh-huh. that she knows they're going to run out of chances. Um, he knows that's yes. coming. That's inevitable. 
And I kind of, that's kind of, that's like, that's the vibe from Anakin. Cause I feel like he, with the, well, again, I'm getting a bit of ahead of myself, but yeah, fates, the inevitable and adverse outcome. Yes. So then destiny, which is really what this episode is about. I think the fate is just a part of it. Destiny is a predetermined course of events. So the weird thing, and again, the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because I think so often in Star Wars, it's just kind of thrown about that like certain characters, whether it's Luke, whether it's Anakin, whether it's, I don't know, Leia, Yoda, everyone, it, it gets talked about that they have a destiny, that they have, that they were born to do one thing. And I, I just think that that concept is said in the films, but it doesn't exactly reflect what the narrative is telling us about choices. And I, I think there's just like this push and pull to me. Like we all, we always talk about the cosmic force and how Ray and Kylo are instruments of the cosmic force. But then what about their agency and what about your choices? Because your choices, really what Star Wars is, is that your choices can, it, you can always change your path. Your choices can determine who you are and you can always turn around from mm -hmm. that. So when you have a when you say that a character has a destiny, um, it it kind of cheapens their choices because were they meant to make those choices all the all, all along? Yeah. Right. When when that just kind of gets rid of your free will. And I think that what Star Wars is saying is that no one controls your destiny but yourself. And I think that they think about destiny more as a your end point rather than this predetermined course of events. But I do think that sometimes it is used that way. And I think that's just kind of like the guiding question that I want to kind of keep with us as we talk about Anakin, Ray, and Kyle. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really difficult conversation, honestly, especially because this is a story with characters. It's not real. And so, like, their choices yeah. are written for them by someone else. And, like, sometimes I bring – I feel like I bring that into these kinds of discussions. And, like, that that's how I process them, too. I'm like, well, of course it's their destiny. Like, it was written that way, you know? <laughs> but then, you yeah. know, you think about it, like, okay, for, like, how I take this into my own life and, like, the way that my choices affect my own destiny. And then, like you said, I think you said it really well about, like, how it can cheapen their endpoint. Like, a destiny is the endpoint. Um, but it also does kind of – it can run the risk of lessening their decisions. Like, with Anakin, you know, like, he's the chosen one. It's his destiny to balance the Force, which means that it's his destiny to fall. But there are all these – like pieces that like if you're looking at it within the story it's like Anakin was destined to be the chosen one he was destined to be Obi-Wan's Padawan and all this stuff and destined to balance the force but what they didn't see is that that meant that his destiny was to fall to the dark side and destroy the Jedi Order and would they have still talked about it that way because destiny I feel like with the word destiny you can it can have this positive spin on it and it's like, mm -hmm. like with a love story, like we were destined to find each other. Um, everything is wonderful now that we are here at our destiny, each other. Like you are my dream, my destiny. But there are all these like hardships that have to go into that. And it can almost make you feel better about the, the challenges you've had to face or the sacrifices that have had to be made along the way. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really interesting looking at it 
from the perspective of like storytellers writing this very mythic story that does deal a lot with destiny and concepts like the chosen one. And, but then also like talking about our characters as real people and like having agency within their own story. I don't know. I think it's very complicated and I'm, I'm interested to see where our conversation goes. We're not going to crack the code here. But no, I think no. what you're, oh God, what no. you're re- referring to more is fate than destiny. Like the negative aspect almost is your fate. And like I, maybe maybe I will walk back on that. I don't know. It's something that we can well, explore in our conversation. Yeah. I think – I mean I think you're right. One, I'm not making a lot of sense. But two, like fate – like you said, destiny is the end point. But your fate is, but fate can be an endpoint too. Mm-hmm. It's just like that positive or negative spin off of where your story ends and how it gets told again. Mm-hmm. Um, but your fate, fate is almost like folded into destiny, whereas destiny is not really folded into fate. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about the fact that one of the the most popular guiding tracks of John Williams's career is Duel of the Fates, which we think about as being when we hear that and we know what goes on in that duel with Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. It's like everything that sets that that duel sets into motion, um, Maul's quasi death Qui-Gon's actual death and then Obi-Wan taking on the mantle almost begrudgingly as mentor for Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader and like that was all fated to happen like because because I think that we think about like what would Anakin have looked like underneath a master of Qui-Gon Jinn Mm-hmm. And this duel, it just it needed to happen. It was fated to happen to let the 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 events of the Skywalker saga to unfold. And yeah. I think that like that those are the emotions that like are conjured up when we hear duel of the fates. And obviously, that's not said in the movie, but like I think that it it adds like a metatextual like understanding of what that that duel even means in a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Especially because you knew that Obi Wan was like Obi Wan was destined to be Anakin's master because we already knew that going yeah. into the Phantom Menace, and it's like, well, how do we get from A to B? Like mm-hmm. Anakin or Obi Wan spends hardly and doesn't spend hardly any time with Anakin really in the Phantom Menace, not compared to Qui Gon Jinn anyway. Mm-hmm. And everything is setting up in that film for Qui Gon Jinn to be the master, and you're like, well, something's got to give here, and yeah. that's what that's what gives like he had to die for Obi-Wan to be in charge Mm -hmm. and then I also just don't think that we can talk about destiny without mentioning forces of destiny the short series um focused on focused on female characters in Star Wars and I think that the beginning lines that play before each short are just so important in this conversation um so let's talk about it. Because I honestly don't think a lot of people have talked about the title, which I think is like, it's kind of an odd title, Forces of Destiny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've always thought that, like, I in the beginning, I was like, what does that even mean? Like, are you force? how are you Forces of Destiny? But like, when you hear the, the beginning and you start to really think about it, it makes a little bit more sense. The choices we make, the actions we take, both big and small moments, both big and small, shape us into Forces of Destiny. So I think it's like, what do you think about that, Caitlin, when you hear that? It's kind of like this distillation. I th- I feel like it's this this simplicity of Star Wars in like this perfect two-minute 
clip. I feel I feel like the people making this honestly are, had a conversation like what we're having now or some version of it of like what is destiny? Yes, our characters are destined within this greater story to play these big roles on that affect the galaxy, right? But who they are and how they react to those big choices is made up of all the small choices that they make along the way. And that's true of anyone. It's almost like, I don't know if this is the best analogy, but it's almost like practice what you preach or Mm -hmm. like practice how you're going to perform. And it's like in order or like, you know, like what you do behind closed doors says a lot about who you are as a person and like the things that the choices that you make on an everyday basis impact those like life altering decisions. I think you look at a character like Anakin and you look at the like even in the Clone Wars and stuff like that like the small choices he makes like on missions and the way that he makes calls about like what to do in any kind of given situation and it's not by the book and and a lot of the times it's against the council's wishes and at the time it's like well this is what needs to be done you know. Mm-hmm. And but then you get to that decision in Revenge of the Sith, and it, and he's got that same mentality. This is what has to be done, and it's against the council. But that is that that's his fate is to fall, and mm-hmm. that is the biggest like decision that he makes, and it has the biggest ramifications. But he is kind of making similar decisions all throughout his upbringing within the Jedi Order. Those small choices mm-hmm. then led to that big choice. I would say that this quote, the choices we make, the actions we take, really just talk about a character's life. So that's mm-hmm. just uh, what they're doing in their life and how each, <laughs> if, if, if you're going to like what they're doing, the choices they make, you know, the actions they take, <laughs> you know, moments, both big and big small, small. just shapes them into forces of destiny. And I feel like it really does. That's like it. if you that's do, if you, if you can just, <laughs> that's it. I cracked it. If you distill it down to, okay, characters making choices. I think, okay. So when we looked at this, when we were, you know, writing our show notes and stuff and we talked about the word destiny, I was thinking about like high school history and manifest destiny. <laughs> I can't. Uh, right. <laughs> Charlotte sees these notes in our show notes and is like, no, <laughs> I was going to cross them out. Yeah. To be honest. Anyway, we're here now. So <laughs> manifest destiny, if you're not from the United States or I've completely forgotten what it was, it was I'm not going to get into the history, but the the cliff notes of what it was. It's a widely held belief in 19th century America that this that the settlers, like American settlers, were destined to expand across North America, which obviously caused a lot of problems for people who are already here. <laughs> um, and it was like this actual like published thing, like Manifest Destiny. And there were three basic themes to Manifest Destiny, and. I won't get into the other two because they're not important. But the very last one, which I think is interesting when we're talking about Star Wars, is an irresistible destiny to accomplish this essential duty. And I don't know. It just kind of made me think about the Skywalkers, like what is the essential duty of the Skywalkers, especially now that we're at the end of their story. Like we're about to see the closing chapter. What is their essential duty? I think what 
the fandom talks the most about is the balance of the force and how that always goes back to the Skywalkers. And I think the interesting question that's being posed with the sequel trilogy is like, well, is it just their duty to do that? Like they're not in charge of the force. And that's, I think what Ray kind of represents. Um, and then like, you know, like you manifest, I kind of think manifest destiny is like the word choice of those two words together, not the, historical concepts but like manifest destiny creating your own path that's kind of like what forces of destiny is it's creating that's kind of what star wars is yeah exactly and so but there is that like middle ground of yes anakin was born to be the chosen one but all the choices that he made along the way manifested into that destiny as well like that agency was still there but Mm -hmm. his path was set at the same time Mm -hmm. like his end point was set perhaps. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a duty aspect when you're talking about the Skywalkers and Rey to this, that to destiny, to fate, that needs to be explored more again in our conversation as we dive deep into the characters. And before we do that, I also just wanted to mention two Clone Wars fortune cookies that mention destiny and fate, and these are the only ones that do, which I think is really interesting. So... (laughs) This one from season three is from Ghost of Mortis, which no surprise that there's a mention of <laughs> destiny and fate there. I, it was whatever. I'm not surprised at all. Um, <laughs> it says, he who seeks to control fate shall never find peace. I think this quote is so meaningful, especially to Anakin, just because his when this was written before the sequel trilogy, before there was any sort of like, this will begin to make things right conversation i i feel like that was speaking to anakin's wish to control the ability to keep padme alive and to like change his visions and he couldn't he needed to let go of that inability to control fate and what was the course of action for that um because of course we know that he never found peace until the end of his death And then I also found this quote from Water War in season four. (laughs) Um, When destiny calls, the chosen have no choice. I thought that one was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because because, uh, here we have been talking for like 20 minutes about how you always have a choice. But here this quote says, when destiny calls, you, you have no choice but to follow your own destiny which I think is fascinating that George, because we all know that these were hand-selected by George. George wrote them as almost the moral of each Clone Wars episode. And also, I think as a collection, they present like a couple, a couple hundreds of different morals and lenses in which to view Star Wars through. This is the one with the Mon Calamari, right? Yeah, underwater. Yeah, I don't remember liking this (laughs) Arc. No, me neither. Just like four episodes of them like in scuba suits. <laughs> I enjoyed the scuba suits. I mean, it's but... always fun to see them in different outfits, but I remember not being super thrilled with these episodes. So I would Caitlin, be... do you remember being like so hyped about rendered water though? <laughs> yes. I hate us. <laughs> we were like, wow, animations come so far. We... This is like us being mini animation experts. Yeah, we're, we're like, like, we just know rendered water. We just know so much. <laughs> This is how much we know. They've rendered the water. Look, their Just hair moves. Dave said it one time. Look, the yeah. fabric moves. Yeah, Dave was like, hair is difficult. And every time we saw a new hairstyle, we were like, oh, my God, hair is so difficult. Like, look what they've done. 
Dave says one sentence and we like spun it into like years of us being like, hair is hard. <laughs> it's so true. It carried into us watching Moana too and me being like, oh my God, that rendered water, the hair, amazing. Well, what's funny is I remember like that time was right when Tangled came out and there was like this whole yeah. featurette on Tangled about how difficult, like how the they, hair. about her hair and how they did, they like animated every individual strand. It was like 2 million strands or something like that. And we're like, wow, it's just so hard. That's why Padme has to have that moose hairstyle for like four years. <laughs> yep. 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 Mad respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Are we ready to dive in? Yeah. Characters. So in part one, we're going to be talking about Anakin. Part two is all about Ray. And part three is all about Kylo Ren. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Okay. Welcome to part one, where we're talking about Anakin. And I feel like it's been a a while since we've actually kind of dived in a little bit into Anakin. So I'm I'm interested to discuss him here. So I think Anakin is honestly the person that we talk the most about with this idea of destiny and fate. So now that we're six films out and who knows what his role will be in The Rise of Skywalker, fingers crossed, what is Anakin's destiny at the end of the day? It's just so interesting when you talk about Anakin. Like you said, it's been a while since we have, but to me, when we have this conversation about destiny and fate, Anakin's destiny has been the most outlined in all of Star Wars. We question whether or not he's the chosen one from the Phantom Menace. We, When we finally get underneath that mask in Return of the Jedi in 1983, I think I feel like people were like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm projecting here. Uh, people are like, what was the deal with that? What happened before? Like, what is his role in all this? Right. And I think that there's been so much conversation even about like Anakin's destiny. Is he, was he the chosen one? It was Luke the chosen one. Obi-Wan certainly thinks that Luke is the chosen one in, in Rebels, which is just, it's just an interesting like reversal because we've, gotten so many signpostings that Anakin is indeed the chosen one. And I think that that has been confirmed. I think that uh, Pablo Hidalgo said recently, recently meaning like two years ago, maybe on Twitter, that he was the the chosen one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I feel like it's just when we talk about Rain Kylo, it's so speculatory because we have honestly just movies really to talk about with their destinies because everything is still so under wraps. And I know that will change, but Anakin's story has been so fleshed out and so explored even with the weird force stuff that it's clear to me that his he does have a destiny. Also, Mortis proves that he is the chosen one since he is able to balance the, the force. We see that. What is Anakin's destiny? I think his destiny is to bring balance to the Force, but things get undone. Un- things get undone with the sequel trilogy, which is where it gets a little confusing. And I just hope that his destiny is further explored in the Rise of Skywalker because I think it needs to be in order to kind of um, reweave this idea of bringing balance to the force and like Anakin's own role in that because I to me I don't think that like Anakin's grandson is enough for me to like extend the the thought that he balanced the force if that makes sense 
Yeah, that's interesting because I I'm not sure what I think about it. I've always I mean I think this just goes back to like our like your favorite characters Anakin and mine's Luke. I was like Luke's kind of the chosen. One. <laughs> well, I mean I think that that argument is totally there. Luke yeah. is the one that that brings balance to the Force. But I think it's when we're talking about it like in this timeline kind of sense, especially in light of the sequel trilogy, it's like, okay, so Anakin is, his destiny is to balance the force. Okay. Well, what does that mean? And it's like, I think we originally thought that, you know, episodes one through three are his fall and episodes um, four through six are his return. And at the end he brings balance to the force. And like part of his destiny was to give birth to Luke, who was to bring him back. And then, well, part of like Anakin's destiny was to give birth to Luke, who would find Leia, who would then give birth to Ben, who would then ultimately bring balance to the Force. Like, th- does that all still count as like part of Anakin's destiny, or do we just expand Anakin's destiny to like the Skywalker destiny, and it all begins with Anakin? Especially what you were starting to talk about with the sequel trilogy of like, you know, one through six, we kind of thought it was done, but now we have this whole this like repetitive theme of I'll finish what you started, which Mm -hmm. leads you to be like, well, what didn't he finish? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I thought one through six, he brought balance to the fours and things just like became unbalanced. But are we going to find out? And I think to a certain extent, I think we can kind of safely assume like obviously balance has not been won yet. Anakin hasn't done it yet. Or maybe Anakin's bloodline hasn't done it yet does that still count is that still Anakin's destiny like you said if it's his grandson who ultimately does it it's just confusing because I think that what you're getting at is that now we can look at the chosen one mythology and recontextualize it as like a Skywalker thing rather than an Anakin thing but I'm not sure if I love that because I think that the prequel trilogy, you know, drills so hard into is Anakin the chosen one? Is he not? Like Obi-Wan still wasn't really sure. He kind of thinks it's a little like bizarre that Qui-Gon was into it. You know, all of those things. Um, the Jedi Council seems a little dubious. And because of that, I feel like you want to root for Anakin to be the chosen one. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that people doubt him. Because then it goes back to everything that you see Shmi say in the Phantom Menace is just so important because when he says he was meant to help, when she says he was meant to help you, it was like what he was born to do. It really, to me, I'm like, wow, his destiny is to help people. His destiny is to, I don't know how, <laughs> but is to help people. And um, he was meant to help you, you know? And of course, you can you can think about that as referring to that one specific moment where Anakin is helping Qui-Gon and the whole crew get off Tatooine. But I do think that that it pertains to the larger picture. And it's, uh, to me, like, I feel like Anakin's destiny really is to bring balance to the Force. But I think that as we have the sequel trilogy, I think that those things will change. But I also feel like if... If we can talk about Rey and Kylo being in re- being representative of the balance somehow, whether that shifts in The Rise of Skywalker remains to be seen, perhaps that's Anakin's role when he does come back, if he does come back as a Force ghost. And I think that maybe that's how they can potentially... <laughs> I don't know, it gets so it gets so speculatory, but potentially kind of carry this thread all the way through that he had some part in helping balance the force through Rey and Kylo as like a conduit almost if that makes Mm -hmm. sense 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. And I, I think, I think that's a really fair assessment of like, well, if it is, if then like this chosen one destiny is kind of conflated to the Skywalker line and kind of taken away from Anakin just himself, is, is that fair for Anakin? <laughs> and does that mesh with how the prequel trilogy and the second trilogy and the original trilogy present Anakin's story? That's like super speculatory, like you said. Um, and yeah, I think with the with the Shmi quote that you brought up, about like he was meant to help you. It was his destiny. It's like, yeah, you can make it just about that individual scene. But with the prequel trilogy, knowing where it ends up and the writers, George, knowing that we all know where it's going, Mm -hmm. everything has to be more meaningful because you know everything is foreshadowing. And so then you can look at something like that. It's like he was meant to help you because if he helps you, then he wins the race, then he goes to the Jedi, then he becomes a Jedi master, and then he falls to the dark side, and, you know, the dominoes continue to fall from there. Mm-hmm. And it can it can have those double meanings, and it kind of has to have those double meanings, knowing that a story like Star Wars is going to be looked at in such, like, we're always going to be looking at the bigger picture of the story as a whole, especially once it's complete. And so all of these little things have to all point to the inevitability that Anakin does fall, but that he's also a part of bringing balance to the force. Mm -hmm. And it will be really interesting to see what kind of role he does have in the rise of Skywalker. That, I don't know, almost in a way like makes him the linchpin Mm -hmm. in bringing balance. Like, cause I think you like, obviously you and I think that Ray and Kylo are the ones to do that. Ray and Ben. They're ultimately the ones who will be representative, who will be able to maintain balance in the force, perhaps is a better way to describe it, Um, like in the long term, (laughs) that we don't fall into chaos again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think, I think you're right. Like, I feel like, I think I've always been on the fence about like Force Ghost Anakin in The Rise of Skywalker. And if that'll seem too hokey, like... I'm just you guys know I'm I'm always worried about like all these force ghosts. I'm just worried. <laughs> I'm just worried about the specters <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I remember in one speculation episode you were like, let's just have a whole round table of force ghosts. And I was like, oh my god, no. <laughs> I was like, let's bring Ahsoka into it. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I still stand by it. I think it could be cool. And I'm like, no. But I think, like, talking about, like, hearing you say that, you know, it would almost, like, could it cheapen Anakin's story? And, it, like, from this perspective right now in, you know, September 2019, it kind of feels like it could. And so I think it would be interesting if, like, what he does bring to the table, especially because Kylo's story is so wrapped up in who he thinks Vader is and finishing what he started, if Anakin is the one to bring that, that, final piece that is like where everything does click into place i think i think i could i think that would do justice to his character in the long run do you think that or yeah i'm just here sitting here thinking that anakin then takes on the role of the father in the mortis arc form oh and in that mm, way, yes. I really, <laughs> I really do think that that's the way that, even if it's not said, I think that we fans can um, understand that Anakin, as a Force ghost, um, plays a part 
in the balance. And because of his role as the chosen one and, you know, defying the rules to marry Padme and subsequently having Luke and Leia and then, like you said, Leia then having Ben and all these things. Like, I think that there's an inevitability. And when we talk about inevitability, we have to talk about this that I ran across when we were writing these notes because I'm still shook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm sure this is talked about before and we're 100% not the first person to talk about it. But it's personally maybe my first time running across it. So in Greek mythology, the personification of inevitability, compulsion, and necessity is called, and I'm going to butcher this, I apologize, Anenki. <laughs> when I re- when I saw this, I was like, "Are you serious? Like, are you are you are you serious?" So funny. And that is spelled A N A N K E. And really I just good. I feel like when you talk about destiny and Anakin as a character, I think that it's just a fascinating choice by George Lucas to name a character Anakin when it's so close to Anenki. When you are writing the prequels and you're writing the original trilogy, there is this overwhelming understanding of inevitability of Anakin's own fall, Darth Vader revealing the terrible truth to Luke. There's just this like in the most Star Warsian way, this like overwhelming feeling of dread isn't the right word but inevitability is yeah you know yeah. that that these things are coming that that uh death and darkness is are right around the corner which i think is exactly what anakin represents like that is his character to a t like he's faced with that in every single iteration that we see with of him like literally death and darkness are always right around the corner whether it's death in 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 the phantom menace of his would be master to the death of his mother in Attack of the Clones to the death of Padme to the death of everything he lo- he has known to love and to his home to his family like everything, and I think that that is again in the ever present father figure in or absent father figure in Luke's life potentially knowing that his name was Anakin. I don't know. There's just like this overwhelming like weight. I feel like over every single character that is Anakin and Luke related to Anakin. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we came across this, it like reading this, I was like, how, how have I never come across this before? I'm sure it's somewhere. I know. Like that's the thing. And then we're, think, we're not the first people. I'm like, did like, cause I feel like I should have heard if George Lucas mentioned this before. And then I think about, like, I'm by no means a classics expert, but I took a lot of classics courses in in college and in high school and stuff. And I don't ever remember coming across (laughs) this character. (laughs) And I feel like I would have. So I'm like, how obscure is this mythological character? And um, we didn't do, we didn't, like, dive into the, like, intense Greek mythology about it. But I'm like, why have I never heard of this? either through Star Wars or just through like my own personal interests, you know what I mean? But then you Mm -hmm. look at it and like you said, I think, you know, we describe Anakin and I really think the way that 
N and K is described is like the best possible way to describe Anakin and what you always say, his function in the story as a character. Mm-hmm. Inevitability, he, in, it's inevitable that he's the chosen one and that he's going to fall. He falls through his own compulsion and his emotions, but it's necessary that he does. Because then, mm-hmm. like we said before, all the all the other dominoes fall into place, and especially when you look at like George writing, setting down to write the second trilogy, knowing where it's going to end, knowing that we all know where it's going to end. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just think that like those three words really do sum it up like better than anything I've ever heard <laughs> when you're talking yeah. about Anakin, especially in the second trilogy, inevitability, compulsion, and necessity, especially in the context of this discussion with fate and destiny. It's just, I don't know. It's It kind of reminds me of that, that quote from Manifest Destiny, an irresistible destiny to accomplish this essential duty. And mm-hmm. Anakin's fate is inevitable. It's necessary. And it happens through his own compulsions. Right. I don't know. I'm like super obsessed with it. <laughs> I am too. So again, it should be noted that Annan Key is actually is a woman. So the, the name, I think that I, I just think that's interesting. Considering I think we we think of we've talked about maybe a little bit. Maybe you and I have just talked about this more privately, but we've talked a little bit about how um, Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren is a little bit. You know, his his tantrums, his emotions, his crying are feminine coded, and I think that. I, I don't I wouldn't say the same about Anakin, but I do think that Anakin is someone who deeply feels and something that is so you know a theme of the prequel trilogy is that Anakin has emotions and he shouldn't have these emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's that's that interesting tension between if Anakin the name was inspired by this female personification of inevitability. I think there's this I, I just think there's a little bit of a tension there that is interesting to me. Okay. And I also think what I have what? this interesting throwback for you. What? Do you remember in middle school, <laughs> mm-hmm. right before you moved to London, we house sat for these people in your neighborhood that had this like amazing house with like a pool and like a yes. And we watched in their theater room this like documentary about Star Wars. And the people yes. in this documentary talked about I don't remember what it was. I don't remember any of the discussion, but I remember them being like, if Star Wars is like, you know, traditional storytelling like biblical and mythology there's like always the adam and eve folklore and anakin is eve because he gets tempted by the serpent which is palpatine and you and i were like that's ridiculous anakin's not eve oh my gosh caitlin that's so yeah and we're like i wouldn't have thought that was ridiculous now no 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 no. but you were talking about i was like oh my god Wow. Like, literally, oh, my God, it's, like, the biblical story of (laughs) But (laughs) But that person was like, we got to find that now. But the person was like, yeah, Anakin. Yeah, if if anyone's listening have seen that documentary, it was old. It probably came out around uh, 2006, 2007. It would have been on TV, maybe TNT, maybe the History Channel. Please tell us because I really do want to see that. And Caitlin and I have talked about that like kind of frequently. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about it. But I remember, yeah, they were like, yeah, if if you're kind of parallel in character, it's like Anakin is the Eve character in this in this mythology of Star Wars. And we we're like, no. <laughs> 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 we're like, he's a boy. <laughs> and Eve is a girl. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So basic. Youth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
much. Anyway, what I was going to say is Anan Key is sometimes considered to be the mother of the fates. And she's thought to be the only to be the only influence of the fates' decisions. So I thought that was also interesting, given Anakin's own role in Star Wars as uh, now represented as really the father of it all. You know, I think that I think that when George went back and made the prequels, I think that our perspectives of what the story was even about shifted. But I do think that. And it's hard to talk about this without using the word inevitable like 500 times. So bear with me. But there there really is just an inevitability about Anakin and the fact that his choices determine fate Mm -hmm. um, and all fate, everything uh, of the galaxy, you know? Yeah. I think this is like literally everything. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot stress that enough. Everything. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where it comes into the conversation of creating something like the second trilogy where your audience knows how it's going to happen and how that's going to color yes. everything that is written into these films. Um, because we all know where it's ending and we all know that he gets saved in the end, you know, and that is going to put, like you said, this weight on the character and how it's written in like our within the real world and Mm -hmm. it's I think that's I don't know how do you separate that especially with a story like the second trilogy that is so tied to knowing how it's going to end you know it's different Mm -hmm. I think I think that makes the the second trilogy like so unique within Star Wars because you know of course when the original trilogy was written or coming out no one knew what was going to happen and with the sequel trilogy that's kind of the same thing but the prequel trilogy really is the only one that kind of has that situation to it for the audience and the writer, which I think is really unique. Uh, Especially long form too, like over three films. It's not like we have prequels and stuff for other franchises, but they, you know, exist in alternate universes or it's just, you know, about one random character that doesn't always have, that's not always the main character of the original film, like a spinoff or something like that. Whereas with Star Wars, it's like, it's you know seven hours and it's your mm-hmm. main character and yeah. it's again it's really ballsy <laughs> and I don't know I just I it's something that I'm constantly thinking about of like almost like what came first the chicken or the egg like how these stories were created when you knew how it was going to end and how yeah. that impacted the way like where did George start like, did George start at the mm-hmm. end? He was like, okay, Anakin, I call, I now call you Darth Vader. And then he worked his way back from there? Or did he start at the beginning of him leaving his mother? I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere in the middle. Like, all of those kinds of plot ideas were running around in his head at the same time. But I think I'd be interested to, like, see how he mapped it out. And I know there are a lot of people who are probably like, he didn't map it out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he did to some level, probably not the same way that the sequel trilogy is, honestly, or even something like the Clone Wars, which is also so much like kind of in the same boat. But I don't know. I just it's it's something that is really unique to the prequel trilogy and to Star Wars and something that I is fun to think about and explore. Totally. 
I think that something this perhaps will be the last thing we talk about about Anakin is the the thing that gets brought up a lot about Anakin is a couple questions about his fall in Revenge of the Sith. Was he fated to fall? Was that always meant to happen? Was Padme always fated to die? And was it unavoidable or did Anakin kind of step into this self self-fulfilling prophecy by having that vision? To me, I think the answer to all these questions is no, just based off of what Star Wars and what the text is telling us that your choices can make all the difference. I don't like the idea of um, Anakin not having any choice because that is what was always going to happen, which is it's really paradoxical in this whole conversation when we talk about inevitability. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I th- I think that the idea of him being fated to fall is the wrong question to be asking about Anakin. I think that what were all the right mechanisms in place for Anakin to fall? Yes. Um, did he make the wrong choice? Yes, but it was a choice. But that still doesn't change the fact that his destiny was to go to hell and back, if that makes sense. Especially as a character who, and this gets really kind of maybe a little bit too out there, but as a character who was like born from the force and then has to die to be returned to life, which I guess his death could be the dark side and then returning back could be him being redeemed at the very end. But I think that like all of those choices are part of your destiny, but I don't think it's your fate to fall. I think that that could have happened at any point of Anakin's journey. Yeah. As a character, not from like a meta standpoint. I think, I think it's really complicated. (laughs) It's It's very very complicated. complicated. It's very complicated. I think that, you know, again, this is a weird reference, but okay. The movie Hercules, right? When you see the character like Hercules in there, we're going to talk about them later, actually, but like the three fates, the goddesses, the three fates, and they've like got his thread of life, right? And they're like, he's going to die. That's what's going to happen. But then he makes this other choice and suddenly they're like, oh, the path has changed. And now like his his destiny has changed too. And it's kind of, I mean, it's like forces of destiny in the show, like your choices change your path. And that's what Star Wars is about is the choices that you make inform your destiny but then it gets hard when we're talking about a family like the skywalkers who are treated mythologically and their actions have consequences on the galaxy and as they are instruments of the cosmic force like the impact is bigger the impact is felt in more places and and i don't know and then i kind of think about yoda and you know our the episodes at the end of the Clone Wars when Qui-Gon tells him that like you have to do this in order like you have to learn how to become one with the force like to um, become a force ghost basically in order to you know like do this important thing and that was like Qui-Gon was 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 
uh, sense by the cosmic force, but like ultimately Yoda had to go through that training himself and like take those steps forward into the, into like his respective mm-hmm. dark side caves and like to face the shadow and to overcome it too. Uh, he could have like walked out and then destiny would have changed again. And then maybe at that point, the cosmic force would have found someone else. And then, like, it would have all mm-hmm. started over again, and everyone has, like, their own choice, and the people who, like, follow that path all the way, they follow it, but, like, they're taking the steps on their own. But the path is laid mm-hmm. out before them, even though they can't necessarily see the path. <sighs> it's complicated, I will man. say, though, that I really like your uh, analogy that Anakin, at the end of Tross, will represent the father figure from what it i think he already does represent the father it's just i don't i don't i don't think i thought that before you said it because whenever we've talked about it we've always talked about luke in that position we've kind of been like oh does that make sense and it doesn't and i think anakin makes (laughs) (laughs) you're right and anakin does make so much more sense um in that position because like you said like uh, father was the one who was able to control son and daughter within the Mortis trilogy. And so bringing Anakin back in the Rise of Skywalker to finish what he started, and Anakin was able to control it too in Mortis. And so being Mm -hmm. able to bring that full circle back into the Rise of Skywalker, not where he's able to control Rey and Kylo, but he he is that center piece. Because again, we've also talked a lot about, you know, like Ray and Kylo being versions of son and daughter. It makes like they, there has to be that father figure too. And it's not Luke. Um, I, it's, it's not, not Luke, Luke for a lot of different reasons. Um, and again, once we do our Luke episode in 2020, which I'm so excited for, uh, because Luke is in the middle of the story. Anakin's at the beginning, Ray and Kylo are at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that makes the mm. most sense. And that's like, that's the only thing that's making sense in this conversation right now to me that I'm like, yes, <laughs> I know that for sure. <laughs> that that seems right. like the most plausible and I think gives, like, is respectful of the character and does right by the character too in the end. And makes, I think, plays really nicely into the conversation of Anakin's destiny of bringing balance to the Force when he's able to bring it and um, foster it, maybe, with Rey and Kylo in The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to say that I think that you hit the nail on the head with that, and I hope that that's what we see with Anakin in The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's really important to see that idea of bringing balance to the Force as the Chosen One come back around Mm -hmm. and i guess i'll be satisfied if hayden christensen anakin skywalker doesn't make an appearance in the rise of skywalker knowing that the force will be balanced by ray and kylo but i do feel like i don't know i do feel like it's it's quite important to kind of bring it full circle with anakin stories since we have six whole episodes kind of drilling into us that you know he will bring balance Mm -hmm. you know i agree okay let's talk about ray Okay, welcome to part two where we're going to be talking all about Rey. So obviously when we enter these conversations with Rey and Kylo, there's still that missing piece um, of the last movie in both their stories. But I think that we have to start from the beginning with Rey because I think that unlike Anakin, who has this like great mythic destiny and he was the chosen one, I think the best thing about Rey is that she doesn't have that. And 
in fact, that makes her more <laughs> chosen, I guess, by the audience to be like the one as we can see ourselves in, right? Which it, it has its benefits and its disadvantages as well. But I think that Ray, the character, is someone who could never see herself having a destiny, a greater destiny like the Skywalkers that you you see, you hear, you know, it's what is your destiny, your place at my side, anything like that. I don't think Ray ever thought of that, even though I think that she wished for that because she she lusted after the stories, those myths, those legends of Luke Skywalker and the Jedi. I just don't think that she ever considered herself as part of that. She herself was all about waiting, waiting for something to happen, waiting for her family to come back. And I think that she's someone who was always looking to, to others for destiny, to like be a part of their destiny story. But in fact, Rey has her own destiny. And I think The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi kind of are her coming into her own, her awakening to her own destiny. Yeah, I think when you discuss Rey, especially like at the beginning of The Force Awakens, like like you said, she knows these stories. And when she – like she's brought them up like a couple times now to show that she's heard them like over and over again. Like in The Force Awakens when, you know, oh, Han Solo, the, the famous smuggler, like he knows – she knows who he is. And then even in um, The Last Jedi when Anakin or when Luke says, you know, uh, it was a Jedi master who created Vader. And then, you know, Ray says, and it was a Jedi who saved him too. Like these were the things, like these stories, these fables, these myths were the things that like comforted her through her childhood. And when you read stuff like that, I don't know. I, it's like, it's like any of us hearing a story like that. It's like, oh, those, like that's for other people. Like, that's not my story. <laughs> that's not something that will happen to me. And I think it's interesting, like, comparing Rey and Luke, both in A New Hope and in The Force Awakens, because Luke is very much in the same kind of boat that Rey is, you know? Like, I got to get off this. Well, not the same boat, like, not the same motivations. But he's just, like, this average farm boy. But, of course, he's, you know, the special one in hiding because he's the Skywalker, right? And he's the one who's supposed, mm -hmm. like, Ben's been watching over him for all these years and, like, believes that he's the chosen one uh, who's going to kill Vader or bring him back, whatever whatever your theory is on that. But with Rey, she's not. Like, she's not the special in disguise related to the Skywalker family. Um, she is special, but for a completely, like, not unrelated because they are related. But she's not a Skywalker. And that's, like, the difference, I think, which is really interesting. And I think you brought up an interesting point of her not – like, she, she is waiting, that's what she's doing. She's not actively mm -hmm. chasing after these things. Like you imagine, like when she talks about the, like you imagine a, an ocean, I see it, I see it too. She's having these dreams and things like that, but she's not questioning them. It's just like, that's just a dream. She's not uh, actively chasing after these feelings until, until it's inevitable and it's unavoidable in the fourth right. weekend. Right. Ray doesn't accept the call and it and I think that you can compare her and Luke in this way because Luke is itching to get off Tatooine. 
he's like, when, where is my <laughs> ticket to the academy? I want to go get me off. Everyone else has left. Where the opposite is true for Ray, where she's like, you know, everyone has left me and I'm waiting for them. It's, it's, I'm not leaving the planet. I, yeah, I know how to fly. I know how to do that, but I'm not leaving mm-hmm. the planet. Destiny belongs to me here. This, my destiny is yeah. to wait. I don't, I don't even know if she would use the word destiny to describe herself because no. there is this air no, render no, no. to a word like that. And I don't think she sees it that way. Right. But then I also think that like – so we talk about her in The Force Awakens, but then she looks to Luke again for someone to bring on that great mythic Skywalker – destiny if you will and i think he he does that that's the best thing about the last jedi is that this belief in not the best thing but it's it's one of the great things about the the last jedi is luke does manifest in that that beacon of hope um just to allow for the new heroes to really Mm -hmm. shine um and complete his destiny. And we're not talking about Luke today, but I think that really that whole putting the faith of like this mythic destiny in Luke and then becoming disappointed by that mentor figure, but then finding it in herself to leave Octo and go complete destiny. I, I don't know, to like alter destiny again and also looking for it in Ben. And it's, it, looking for it honestly at the wrong time in the wrong place clearly because that does not work out there she she finally starts making choices for herself based on her own intuition and like gut feeling and like that really like we see that all throughout the sequel trilogy i think but it's kind of in in like fits and starts it's not complete like like Mm -hmm. it's out of necessity and out of like her compassion and like her being a good person of helping Finn, of helping BB-8, of not selling BB-8, of, of getting Finn and BB-8 and her out of that sticky situation. But she's like, okay, I did that. Like, got to go back <laughs> to Jack Koo. Like, that's where I'm yeah. supposed to be. That's not my destiny. Again, I don't think she'd use that word, but like, that's where I need to go to wait for the people that are coming back for me. And it's not until like she has that awakening that she finally starts to make decisions for herself. And we discussed this a lot with Ray at the beginning of the last Jedi, when she goes to Octo, like, yes, she's there for the resistance, but she's like underlying. She's really there for herself. But I don't think she like, she doesn't want to say that. I don't think initially. And she doesn't. Because she, you know, she's got her elevator pitch. The resistance is in danger. Kylo Ren has fallen to the dark side even more than before. Like we need Luke Skywalker back. But then, like once you, like we were talking about, when she goes through all of those, those discoveries of like Luke Skywalker is not this story that I was told or this story that I heard. He is a real person with real issues and is really disappointing me. And that's when she finally makes the decision for herself of like, well, Ben is here and he is offering me something. He's connecting with me on a level that I understand and something that I need. So I'm going to make the decision for myself to leave. Uh, Whereas before her decision to leave Jakku was necessitated by the situation around her. Whereas in The Last Jedi, she makes her own situation and she makes her own choice to leave. And she's going on that path towards her destiny of, Kylo, of Ben, and of being an instrument of the cosmic force. And so 
I think it'll be interesting to see in episode nine how that continues and how she can conti- like, is she going to progressively just make more and more decisions based on her own needs? Because mm-hmm. I think so. But at the same time, like a hallmark of Ray's character is her compassion and her devotion to the things that she cares about, which is like Finn and the resistance. Like even though she wasn't fully there, like only there for the resistance when she went to Octo. She was still there for them. Like she cares about the resistance, and we see that throughout the Last Jedi, especially at the end when she's like, "You can stop this," and Kylo's like, "No." And she's like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> no." <laughs> um, I, I just think that like now that Ray has like the Force has awakened in her, she, I still don't even know if she would call it destiny. The things that she's doing, I think Luke might actually. Because I think Luke, at the end of The Last Jedi, has more of that bigger picture view of everything that has brought them to where they are. And I think he might, he might talk about that in the, in the Rise of Skywalker, depending on how we see him and Anakin, too. Where, and I think even Kylo has that kind of perspective, too, which we'll get into when we discuss him in part three. Well, well just to interrupt you, Snoke uses the term destiny when talking about Ray's own destiny. But I think that he, Snoke being completely misguided, sees Ray's destiny as an instrument for Kylo Ren to further himself to the dark side, which of course is not what yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just don't think Ray, I still don't think at the end of Last Jedi, Ray sees herself as having a destiny, like this grand destiny. Yeah, I think that she's still questioning things. Yeah. But I do think that the if we can reference the Last Jedi novelization, the whole fact that Ben and Ray are instruments in the co- cosmic force, we've droned on about this for so long and like what does it even mean? I do think that that's her destiny. And it does bring up this kind of like strange understanding like I said at the top of the show of like what are her choices and what are not her choices. You know, because of her status as an instrument of the cosmic force. And, like, I think that we get into, like, sketchy territory where, I mean, last time we tried to define the cosmic force, we got a little in, like, hot water. We, like, didn't know what we were talking about, you know? Like, we were just really questioning everything about the cosmic and living force. That was in our last Yoda episode. And I think that the same could be said here about Ray's destiny as being so intertwined with the cosmic force which is almost the personification of destiny and i feel like what that means fully will be revealed to us in the rise of skywalker Mm -hmm. but i do think that in this moment we can think about the force as like an instrument of fate for ray and kylo i think that the force is interjected so many times with uh these two like (laughs) yeah the 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 planets like literally splitting underneath them like the force opening a bridge between which i caitlin and i both don't believe was snoke manipulating that at all i think that the force here is at play to um kind of progress things along but ultimately it comes down to each character's choice. Yeah. yeah, and that Snoke Snoke didn't create their bond. I do think he pre- manipulated it, but he didn't create it. Um, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, I think I think the rise of Skywalker for Ray, and you guys know that I've had a lot of questions about what Ray's journey will be in the rise of Skywalker. Um, I think that's a little not a little bit more clear, but there's some uh, hiccups with Dark Ray. It's definitely clearer than it's yeah, ever been. Yeah, I think yeah. like I, I don't think I had any idea before we saw content from the Rise of Skywalker. I was like, no, Ray like knows who she is. She knows what she stands for. Like what kind of trial is she gonna have in the Rise of Skywalker? I wasn't sure what it looked like. Now obviously we have a something to go off of, something to speculate on. But I think that in the Rise of Skywalker, I think that's when Ray will finally start to see herself the way that everyone else sees her like Snoke and Palpatine and Ben and uh, Kylo and like all these people around her who I think are really tapped into just how important she is on this like cosmic level but I don't think she really has any idea or any kind of awareness that that could even be a thing because how would she you know what I mean Um, I think I think the way she I don't know. I just think like she thinks she still thinks about herself as small scale and not important. But I think like the the sequel trilogy has been her awakening to her the own power within her and just how important that is on a galactic level and how she is a player in this game and an important one. Um, so that I kind of think that's that's the next step for her as far as like understanding her own destiny. And I think that, like, I think Kylo definitely sees that in her because Kylo has been burdened by his own family line and destiny his whole life. He's always been told the bigger picture of the family that he comes from. And I think he sees what could be with Ray. Obviously he does, but like on a bigger scale, whereas Ray doesn't see that. I don't think it's just like, no, you'll come with me and then we'll save the resistance and then it'll be done. And Kylo's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got to get rid of it all. Like, the Jedi, the Sith. And Ray's like, we're not even talking about the Sith here. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's important. <laughs> like, we've got to go back. <laughs> like, all the way to the beginning. And like, I don't, I don't get it. Why? <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I think they'll both – I think they'll both be fully aware of the fact that they are instruments of the cosmic force. And Ray, in particular, like, that'll be a, a – big piece of her character development in the rise of Skywalker that feels like freaky to say, but I kind of think that now. So one of the other interesting things that we're going to pull in from the Mortis trilogy and the Malachor, you know, uh, what, what is that? Twilight of the Apprentice. <laughs> all I could think of was the word apprentice. World between, between worlds. You know, our things. faves. We can, can we just bracket it with our mm-hmm. faves from now on? And you all know that we're talking about Mortis, <laughs> Malachor and world between worlds. Yeah, that just and like the yeah, Yoda series, yeah, the Yoda and, arc uh, kind of like lumped Man- in there. Uh, not Mandalore. What is this called? Uh, there's there's Mortis Malachor. Malachor uh, is Twilight of the Apprentice. His starts with an M too, though. Moraband. Uh, Moraband. That's it. Okay. So when we talk about the M and M's, we're talking about <laughs> that whole <laughs> set of episodes from now on. <laughs> but. You know, talking about the concept of fate and also kind of going back to our discussion about like Ray and Kylo as versions of like daughter and son, and in this instance, Ray as daughter, you know, Ahsoka is brought back to life by daughter in the Mortis trilogy. And then she has the Convor, the owl, uh, whose name is Morai, who mm-hmm. follows her around. And she says at, um, in World Between Worlds, you know, when she sees Morai, the owl, 
uh, standing over her like portal. She's like, oh, I haven't seen you for a long time. And Ezra's like, you know this owl here? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, she's followed me around for forever. And I think a lot, a lot of people speculate about like what exactly the symbolism is of Morai. Like, does she contain the life force of daughter? Is she the personification of daughter now that Ahsoka has that life force? Like, what exactly does that mean? But the interesting thing is that Morai is kind of a play on words with the with Morai <laughs> spelled a little differently, which is the fates in Greek and Roman mythology who are the white robed incarnations of destiny. And I kind of discussed them earlier, but in Hercules, the three like fates, that's kind of how they're often represented is they like control the threat of life. Um, they watch over every mortal from birth to death and uh, they were independent, but, and they like kind of controlled people's fates. But then like I talked about with Hercules, um, he controlled his own fate too. And they didn't have jurisdiction over that in a weird way. And I just, I think it's, again, it's one of those interesting tie-ins. I think that this concept of fate and destiny and fate in this instance is really throughout all these like little details within Star Wars, ones that are super obvious and ones that really aren't like the fact that this owl is kind of named after fate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the personification of fate. And she comes from daughter who basically resurrected Ahsoka. You're like, what's the train here? Well, (laughs) the the owl that appears, especially in World Between Worlds, it happens right before Ahsoka's fate is completely altered and therefore her destiny is completely altered. So it always, like, I feel like the owl in Rebels at least has shown up in places where like there's an inevitability and impending doom and all these things that we've been talking about like they even just kind of were in the corner of some shots and rebels you know Mm -hmm. it like looming over when they were on that one planet remember with the big spiders and i (laughs) i feel like it's interesting because when you think about world between worlds i know we're in the race section but just bear with us it's interesting to consider if Ezra then alters destiny by reaching in and removing Ahsoka from Malachor in this like world between world situation with Morai the owl kind of going crazy as he does this. Like Morai is like chirping like intensely. So it's, yeah, but it's easy to kind of make this th- – what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, Morai is kind of, like, alerting him. I mean, again, and and using a bird, it's very much kind of like the canary in the mine. It's like Mm. a calling card. And you brought up a good point that we see the the convories in, like, very specific moments in Rebels. And they are kind of this calling card of, like, something is amiss. Something strange is happening. You know what I mean? Or, like, pay attention. They're kind of like a symbol of, like, an asterisk almost. Like, you should look at this a little bit more closely. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, in World Between Worlds. And and yeah, I do think Ezra altered fate. And I think people get really uh, intense about World Between Worlds and like, is it, you know, did he alter the timeline? No, he didn't, but he did alter fate. Is that the same thing? I don't think it is. I don't think Dave thinks it is. I don't think George thinks it is. Um, but that, like, that's that's an instance of the path changing, of destiny changing of Ezra stepping in making his own choice and changing the inevitability and we see that juxtaposed with what happens with Kanan and 
now we're getting too far into world between worlds but ray is kind of doing that too i think throughout her story but unlike ezra she doesn't have like she's not in a world between worlds yet she is but she's not at least what i think i would argue that the force itself like the planet splitting the force bond everything is kind of the convoy it plays the convoy role that we see mm-hmm. in rebels in that it changes fate alters things like ray nearly kills kylo ren in the force awakens on star killer base before the planet splits them apart you have to wonder what that means or like why is the why is the force connecting us you and i like all these things fate is at play here and like the force is kind of altering it and i think that morai the convor the owl i actually have a morai plush that i'm holding right now um also kind of represents the same thing as like you said this indicator of something changing and i think that you can all you can kind of think about that the same way in with the force too that the the force itself like anytime the force is manifested between two these two characters ray and kylo um fate and destiny are at play are being altered yeah and i guess it's kind of like the cosmic force watching to see if if this is the moment when their paths become one yeah and I think it's like, it's almost like how we talk about the development of the sequel trilogy. Like, they knew what the end point was. It was just how they got there was not at the discretion of the directors, but, you know, they created it. But it was like, okay, like, J.J. Abrams, you create these characters. Kylo Ren is going to be redeemed. There you go. And J.J. was like, all right, here are my steps. And then they're like, Ryan, here's what I've done. Kylo's got to get redeemed at the end of this, so work that in Ryan was like okay cool you know and so I think that's kind of for me that's kind of making the most sense when we're talking about these characters and especially like you were saying like the manifestation of the cosmic force kind of acting similar to the convoy and rebels of being this indicator that we need to be paying attention to the things that are happening to our Mm -hmm. characters and you know like at the end of the force awakens Kylo's like you need a teacher and it's it's almost like the cosmic force is like hmm how is this going to go like what decision is Rey going to make and then Rey decides to fight back and cosmic force is like um uh-uh. <laughs> like not yet. <laughs> let's not yet. <laughs> and then like, all right, let's like let's up this let's up the ante a little bit in the last Jedi. And it's like, oh, okay, she's going to him. Great, 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 great. And then it's like, oh no, Kylo. Kylo left the glove on. It's like, ah, not yet. Gotta split the lightsaber. <laughs> and, you know, and so it's like we're progressing closer and closer, but they're like they're still the ones making the choices, even though they are on this inevitable path. Yes. And that, that I, to me, and I, I know this is like brain racking this, this episode, man, man, oh man. It's just, I do think that that, that is the paradoxical relationship of characters making choices and destiny being something that must be fulfilled throughout Star Wars um, that comes into play. And I just like, I just don't know if Star Wars, even though it is talked about so much, really even subscribes to the idea of predetermined destiny. I don't think it does. I think that it is really all about your choices, just like the forces of destiny beginning says, but it's just, I don't think that people who think about just star Wars surface level think that, you know what I mean? I think think that, yeah, I think that people think that like, 
oh yeah, all of that was like meant to happen. Like Luke was meant to turn Vader back, all of these things. And I just think that cheapens the character's choices and motivations. And I think that Ray, to me, just to bring it back to Ray, I feel like Ray, to me, will kind of bring all this home as as someone who is such a complicated character, very nuanced, and someone who, while isn't like connected as a Skywalker, will like really kind of hammer at home that it really is about choices, even though she is part of a greater destiny, as she will help assist balance the force as kylo and ray being two sides of the same coin well kind of what we talked about earlier with anakin and what you were discussing with how you know if that's just the way it has to be that kind of cheapens the story in a way but i think Mm -hmm. that kind of is a downfall of the prequel trilogy is that that's the paradox of star wars is that that's that's kind of what it was. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a character like Padme and it's like Padme was kind of trapped in this inevitability of death just by simply being Anakin's wife. And yeah, they could have changed it a little bit with, you know, of course, given like how Leia talks about her in Return of the Jedi, there was some wiggle room there, but it was like, well, she wasn't there. Like she's got to die at some point, you know what I mean? And so she was destined to die by the context of the story that was created in the real world, which affected the choices of the characters within the fake world like that's what makes it so complicated but then I think they do kind of like like you said like the sequel trilogy and like with Rey they are not retconning that but just adding a new layer to that and kind of uh adding more nuance to these stories and to this this discussion of destiny and how your own choices do play into that and you know I reference it a lot but that quote by Dave it's like why do the characters have to die? (laughs) And I think that they could have had a similar conversation about Padme in the same way. Like, did Padme have to die? No, like she didn't actually have to die. Like something else could have happened to her. But, you know, we look at the story now and we're like, well, yeah, of course she had to die because like Anakin had to fall. But Mm -hmm. we kind of talk that way because we, like we exist outside of that timeline now like of actually watching the prequel trilogy as it comes out. I think it's just, I think it's, it's really, com- man. yeah, it's, it's really complicated and it's really layered both within the story and how we received the story as an audience. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that we want to talk about with Ray? I'm sure she'll come up in the Kylo discussion. I think we should move on to part three. Okay. Let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Okay, welcome to part three, where we're discussing Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, baby, however you want to describe him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kylo, I think, maybe even more so than Anakin, maybe not more so, yet to be determined, but as much as Anakin is discussed in regards to his destiny. Yes. So does Kylo have a destiny? Yes, but because he is not the character in which we see things through, that is Rey, we don't understand his destiny fully. I think we get glimpses of it because he has a total... We understand as an audience member that his destiny is super misguided. He is a constant failure. And every time I talk about Kylo, I like feel bad for him because just he's a just mess. like he's trying and he's just such a mess. Like, 
I think that Snoke had all these ideas for who Kylo was, son of darkness, heir apparent to Lord Vader, like all of these things that he thought were Kylo's destiny. But I just don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that um, in in what way is Kylo meant to inherit like the empire's contingency plan, like the supreme leader <laughs> business. I just like to me that is not his destiny. His destiny is something far greater and something far more related to his actual bloodline and his his family's destiny, the balance of the force and his de- the the destiny that he thinks for himself, I guess, or that we have no idea what that is. We really don't. Or what Snoke has imposed on him is really just not in line with what Anakin's destiny was. And if he's supposed to be aligned to Anakin in some way, as we've seen by all these visual cues and also dialogue, I feel like there's there's that missing piece of understanding what his true destiny is. Yeah, I think you do you agree. Yeah, I do. I think you brought up probably like the best point of the Kylo discussion is that when it comes to his destiny is that we're not looking at it from his perspective. Like he's not our through line character. That's right. Whereas that was Anakin in the prequel trilogy. And so the perspective as an audience is completely different. Um, I think that's probably the best way to think about Kylo in when it comes to his destiny, because there are so many things we don't know. And the thing is, we've heard so much about Kylo from other people, but we never hear what Kylo thinks of himself, which is, of course, a product of the way that people like Snoke have treated him and like tried to mold him into what they think he should be. And one of our big kind of hallmarks of how we think about the sequel trilogy, you know, is like, the the concept of identity for all of our characters like finn gets his name in force awakens ray finds out she doesn't need one in the last jedi and like kylo and the rise of skywalker will finally be like choosing his name for himself uh Mm -hmm. and i think he he chose the name kylo too right or he will he probably will but like you guys know what we mean, (laughs) uh especially because the name kylo has been described as a shell and empty uh, a way to hide mm-hmm. Ben Solo underneath. So that's clearly not who he is. But I think, yeah, and this really does go back to our discussion about Anakin and like whose job it is to bring balance to the force. Can this task, this essential duty be completed by more than one Skywalker? Does it have to be completed by Anakin to make sense for the story? Is it going to be completed by all three of them? To make sense for the story or is it just kylo i <sighs> oh man yeah i just i think kylo in the way that ray has kind of um she was very not passive but she was waiting right she was always kind of waiting for things to come to her And when she finally starts to feel the force and like that has been awakened in her, she progressively becomes more and more active. Kylo was kind of dragged into all of these different uh, destinies and legacies, uh, none on his own accord. Obviously, Kylo Mm -hmm. made choices himself along the way, but he was constantly burdened by people telling him who he was. 
And that that was a big part of manifesting his own fall. It's interesting to compare Ray and Kylo in their understandings of destiny because Ray reluctantly accepts that does she accept it? I don't know. It just befalls upon her that she's part of a greater story. Um, destiny is something that she must fulfill. And with Ben, I feel like he, like you mentioned, has had these this great destiny on his shoulders his entire life. And it's something we've mentioned on the show before. He never gets to be just Ben Solo. And I think that perhaps his story and his destiny is rejecting all of those predestined planned and and I know this is like again paradoxical but like how do you move past the the burden that's placed on your shoulders of you must fulfill something you have to move on from that and understand that you are your own person and that your own choices will determine your own fate and I think that Ben has had his He's made choices that have just been completely self-destructive, galaxy-destructing, but ultimately it will come down to his destiny will rely on the choices of himself, not the choices of others, mm-hmm. and not what what his bloodline says about him, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even the way that like Han and Luke talk about Kylo, they talk about it very much like the way we talk about the concept of fate and adverse effect, which is kind of almost a nice way to put it when your nephew and son falls to the dark side and plunges the galaxy back into darkness. Um, an adverse effect, really. <laughs> 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 but like Han and Han and Luke are like, oh, he's got too much Vader in him. Um, you know, they discuss it like it was his fate to fall. And then you have Leia and Rey who are like, no, no, like that's, I refuse to accept that. Um, there is another choice here. Like you're his father. You can go to him. There are these things that you can do. And Ray is the one who points out that like, we don't have to be controlled by these family lines and assume destinies. Like Han and Luke are like, well, he, he's got Vader in him and Snoke was in his head. Like, of course he fell. And Ray is like, no, like you, your mistake was thinking the choice was made that the, that the path was set. That was your mistake. And that was part of his fall. And they man these skywalker and solo men just like need some women to like knock some sense into them (laughs) literally Literally. yeah literally knock sense into them um but they're the ones that have to point out that different choices can be made and that kylo that ben was impacted by the way that they treated him as a kid and i know that that gets into like dangerous territory with some people of like Han and Leia were good parents and they were good parents. They just didn't know how to give Ben what he needed. Not for lack of love, mm-hmm. just they didn't know. And Ben right. didn't know either what he needed because there was a whole part of his story of his background that he didn't know. And I don't know, you kind of think it's like it is like they manifested his fault, like they were part of him manifesting his fall. Because when you get to The Last Jedi and you find out that Luke had seriously considered he drew his lightsaber to kill Ben Solo, he didn't. But then it's like, you know, from Ben's perspective, it's like, you already think I'm on the dark side? Or fine, like I'll be on the dark side. Um, clearly, you don't love me. You don't, you were going to kill me. 
Like if that's what you want, I'll be, I'll be the bad guy. You know what I mean? And then he becomes the bad Mm -hmm. guy and he's, he's the bad guy until someone says to him like, you don't have to listen, you don't have to do this anymore. (laughs) And it's like, how, how do you come out from, how do you come back from that? How do you take a step on a different path when it seems like all the choices have been made for you? And when you have people like Snoke or like, like you said, like son of darkness, heir apparent, this is who you are. This is the path you're on. It was foretold that light would rise to rise up to meet you. And I thought, I just thought it was Luke and I was just wrong about who it was, but like, we're still on the same path, but he doesn't get that. Like Ray, Ray is the accidental fracture in this whole story. And she's the one that's going to like illuminate another way for Ben. Absolutely. I think now is a good time to read the rise of, the rise of Kylo Ren comic description that was recently released. You posted that you put this in the show notes, Caitlin. Why don't you yes. read it? So the rise of Kylo Ren comic comes out next week, right? Oh no 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 no! Oh no! no, in, no, no, no. In, the rise of Kylo Ren comes out in like December. Which is the one that comes out? There's a Kylo one that comes out soon, though, right? There's an Age of yes. Resistance that comes okay. out next week with Kylo, but yeah. this one is coming out in December which makes it to me all the more interesting Mm -hmm. because it definitely relates to the Rise of Skywalker in a major way. So it's described as such quote young Ben Solo is a legendary Jedi Luke Skywalker's most promising pupil as the son of Rebel Alliance heroes Leia Organa and Han Solo as well as Luke's own nephew Ben has the potential to be a great force of light in the galaxy but the Skywalker legacy casts a long shadow the currents of the dark side run deep and Darth Vader's blood runs in Ben's veins voices call both from his past and his future telling him who he must be. He will shatter. He will be reforged. His destiny will be revealed. Snoke awaits. The Knights of Ren await. Ben Solo's path to his true self begins here. And this is just like everything that we've been talking about, like even the word <laughs> choices. And, and this is kind of what I was saying about how Ben, unlike Ray, does have this big picture view of like concepts like destiny. He just has a very warped view of it because – he Mm -hmm. like no one needs to tell ben who he is like he's heard it enough you know like who everyone thinks he is there's no one who knows the history of the galaxy and the skywalker's role in it like ben solo does because everyone has been telling him about it but they've also been like leaving out important parts you know like not that anakin was his grandfather and like came back from the dark side like that's important (laughs) but no one's like Everyone's giving him almost like the darkness that is part of you shouldn't be completely rejected. And I feel like that completely backfired for Ben. We'll see that when the whole story is fully revealed. But I think my favorite line in this whole description is he will shatter. He will be reforged. His destiny will be revealed. I love it because he will shatter. He will be reforged is like uh, it is. What does it make you think of? For me, it makes me think of Frankenstein. Oh, my God. You think of the helmet. I think about (laughs) Frankenstein and how uh, our Monsters episode where we talk about how so frequently Kylo Ren is described as a monster and he wants to be that monster, but he really just isn't. He's really just not a monster. (laughs) And he is. But he's also not, you know? Yeah. But I love this idea that he will shatter and break, but and he will be reforged and rebuilt into this monster. And now I want you to 
talk about how it, that relates to the helmet because for me, I went straight for Frankenstein. Yeah, we both went back to the only things we've ever known. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, I think the Frankenstein one is like obvious now that you say that too. But of course, we we're talking about the Kintsugi helmet and he will shatter. He shattered the helmet. It will be reforged. Someone put it back together. Uh, and his destiny will be revealed. I, this is like this whole this whole uh, description. It's something that we can read as both his fall to the dark side and his redemption. Like that whole line of "He will shatter, he will be reforged, his destiny will be revealed." He was shattered in the Force Awakens. It when he killed Han Solo, it split him to the bone. He will be reforged. That I think uh, applies to the Last Jedi and. Like for him being reforged in the dark side and in the light side of like that, that conflict within him growing even more and his destiny will be revealed. That's the rise of Skywalker. But like, where is it going to go? Of course, this is for the comic and it's about the rise of Kylo Ren. So it's about him being broken down, like of the death of Ben Solo, basically, and being reborn as Kylo Ren, like with your Frankenstein analogy. Um but I also think it's like super applicable for the rise of Skywalker too and, and his eventual redemption. Like these are the things that has to happen. He has to shatter, he has to be reforged, which in another way is choosing a different path, making a new choice, changing fate, and his destiny will be revealed. Mm-hmm. Happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, and like Ben Solo's path to his true self begins here. I mean, this whole description is like dripping with inevitability and with like these ideas that we've been talking about. Like they are really laying it on thick. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like makes perfect sense because it's been laid on thick for Ben Solo his whole life. Yeah. Too. So true. Um, super meta. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like all of like all of these things are callbacks to all different parts uh, that we've seen in canon. Ben has the potential to cast to be a great force of light, but the currents of dark run deep. I mean, that's like straight from aftermath of like a shot of darkness w- went through Ben Solo's light when he was still in his mother's womb. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's very, it's very um, evocative. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think of these big picture concepts of like, what is Ben going to do for the galaxy? It's not like he's just having an impact on his community. It's like, no, a great force of light in the galaxy. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting just because I think that the major question is, what is his destiny? What is it? Like, seriously, what is it? And I think that the the fact that even this comic is exploring like his destiny will be revealed and that'll it'll probably that'll probably come out after the rise of skywalker so even that is more fascinating in its own way of like okay so if we talk about things being already written and like george lucas tackling the prequels and talking about fate inevitable and inevitability and destiny and all these things what will be revealed for him and i do think that he has a greater purpose than what was just willy-nilly thrown around with snoke i mean come on um and like i said he's just like really bad at <laughs> being super bad so i don't know i think that there's this misguided destiny that's like hangs over ben as a character throughout the sequel trilogy and the rise of skywalker will only kind of 
reveal what that true destiny is and but also by balancing the fact that his destiny is forged by the choices that he makes and Mm -hmm. that his fate can really only be defined by himself because if he continues to dig himself into a deeper hole of rejecting the offers to come back and that you know these these easy offers of you know join me don't don't you know all these conversations that have been had about like oh he's had two chances already to come back to the good no there's definitely something greater there there's definitely something that needs to be revealed for his destiny and his fate but what's it gonna be what's it gonna be what's it gonna be yeah well it'll have to be super entwined with ray's own destiny which is what's super fascinating because we didn't even talk about this in ray's section but when she accepts the call and her her the lightsaber calls to her her destiny is already intertwined with the skywalker legacy it immediately mm-hmm. is when she that's her crossing the threshold is really her accepting this this weapon that is is intrinsically part of the skywalker legacy so yeah. to to me it's already her destiny is completely wrapped up into this greater narrative and like you said you, you always use this great metaphor about how ray is the accidental fracture in um in the skywalker family in the star wars story and how will she disrupt whatever dark inevitability hangs over the skywalkers and continues to mm-hmm. yeah because there is like the description mentions there is this like there's both within the Skywalker family for as much light as there is. There's also that much darkness and they got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also like even bringing up, we again, didn't talk about this in the Ray section and sorry, we're doing it in the Kylo one, but dark Ray, where does it fit in? Is that really her destiny? If we talk about, and we've speculated this like a hundred jillion times about Ray and Kylo potentially switching places um, to kind of, further fulfill that yin and yang symbolism that these two represent um where darkness darkness is a part of light and all these things right um mm-hmm. what what happens then um is that really their destiny to switch places or are they i don't know it's <laughs> there's so many questions i think it's almost like their destiny is to show the fluidity of darkness of and light yeah, yeah, that too. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense in my brain. <laughs> I, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I get it. And then we well, say Well, okay, what what I what I really it. mean is their destiny is to show the fluidity of choices. And I think that was completely demonstrated by Anakin in the very end of Return of the Jedi, but really desperately needs to be hammered home for a lot of viewers in the grand scheme of choosing light over dark. I think I keep thinking about what you said with the lightsaber and how like Ray was 
like that that lightsaber was waiting for her in this weird way just like she Mm -hmm. was waiting for her family but that wasn't what she was supposed to be waiting for she was supposed to be actively like out in the galaxy finding this lightsaber that was like the lightsaber was waiting for her but like we Mm -hmm. mentioned she rejects it at first she leaves it there (laughs) it has to be given to her later like she's not ready for it she's not ready to accept her place in this story she's not ready to see herself in the story that that could even be a possibility for her um whereas kylo has always been like that the story begins and ends with him he's always been told that whether for the light side or the dark side and it's that selflessness self selfishness kind of taking over yeah yeah exactly and so i don't know i don't know all i know is they live or die together and they had like it's clear that they have this destiny for them that's been set that's been anticipated the question is will they get there in the end yes Mm -hmm. they will how they do it and at what cost for when we get there it's gonna be very good (laughs) very stressed I can't wait to revisit the question of what Kylo's destiny is. Yeah, I think in this will, December. This will it'll be, it'll become yeah. clear. Oh, oh yeah, a hundred percent. That's the thing. <laughs> I think that like you know we are at the end of this Skywalker saga, so it does have to come to a close. Some kind of finite, not not finite, but uh, a very pretty solid bookend. <laughs> You know, and I think that this idea of the chosen one is, like we've mentioned, so prevalent throughout all of their their characters and trilogies that they kind of have to revisit that question and answer it once and for all in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. They really do. I think that it was like almost like you can watch the end of Return of the Jedi and be like, oh, yeah, he's the chosen one. But like <laughs> they need to hammer it a little bit more because it's just a little shoehorned in this like retroactive understanding of vader's role and anakin's role Mm -hmm. with luke and i think that like it it totally works like no flaws but i do think that when you revisit the story like you do in the sequel trilogy i feel like there has to be a mention of it again at least star wars is just so strange the fact that we got four five six one two three seven eight nine (laughs) It's so unique it's so in that strange. way. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird. But great. Well, I love it. <laughs> me too. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Kylo Ren? I know we could talk forever about him. I think I think everyone knows what I think about Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think that's where I'm going to end it. <laughs> Unless we have we have some new listeners, if it's your first time listening, I'm sorry that like Caitlin is treating you like you've been here forever. But like, <laughs> new listeners, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Caitlin loves Kylo. If I have offended anyone by assuming that they know what I think about Kylo Ren already, I'm very sorry. <laughs> all you need to know is that I think he's going to be redeemed. <laughs> that's it that's all you need to know that's the cliff notes version it's true though it really is true is that what you think about kylo ren too listeners might not know new listeners oh my gosh new listeners this is what i think about kylo ren 
he's going to be redeemed because it's already happening. It's already ha- uh, it's it's happening. It's uh inevitable. And it's truly inevitable. It's like maybe <laughs> one of the most inevitable things. Yeah. Raylo is real. Palpatine being back is pretty good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other big things. Look to the animation department. Look to the animation department. Future Star Wars. That's why we talked about the animation department so much in this episode. We love it, <laughs> even though it really had nothing to do with them. <laughs> you can just it always circle back. <laughs> always gotta circle back. It's like freaking world between worlds. Like I'm almost tired of us talking about world between worlds. But no. then at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, world between worlds. Have you thought about I know. world between worlds? <laughs> Like, have you thought about World Between Worlds today? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, speaking of animation, I don't think we've discussed it here on the show yet, but our good friend James on Twitter designed a t-shirt or like a logo that says, look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars. Yes, it is. It is perfect. It's our orange color. Mm -hmm. It's it's an outline of Dave. It has a world between worlds, like portal around Dave's head and then twin (laughs) suns inside. It's like it couldn't be better. And the best part about it is all on our T Public store. So tpublic.com slash clarity. So that's C R E R R I T Y is our T Public store. Um, and you can get it on a pillow. Like, literally anything. A pillow. It looks really good on a pillow. I might get it for a pillow. Um you can get it on basically anything, but all the proceeds are going to be donated to Women in Animation, which is an organization supporting women creators in animation and the animation career yes <laughs> women in animation so, in the- i, I should have just said women in the animation i tried to expand yeah you were like, like you know what it was distinct enough <laughs> the name was yeah exactly enough. and it, basically it's so perfect we were so touched that james created this design it mm-hmm. was like the best thing ever yeah yeah <laughs> so, i am like beside myself i haven't decided yet i was thinking about a shirt but then i was like i kind of want it on a pillow too like that seems fun and then I'm like what can't I put this logo on <laughs> they're right that's how I feel too <laughs> I want like a blanket they're, I want it I'm on pretty sure they're on sale right now yeah T Public is always doing so. sales so definitely check in if you're interested in that but yes it's it's very special to us it, <laughs> somehow we've turned this conversation from Anakin Luke or Kylo and Ray into the end point of look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars. And that's super yes. on brand if you are a new listener. So we hope you stick around to hear that again a couple more times. <laughs> 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 okay. I think that is going to wrap up our episode uh, all about fate and destiny and forces of destiny as well. Uh, the big concept, not the show. We obviously didn't really talk about the show for the whole episode. But if you like what you hear and want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at our Twitter for the podcast, which is at SkyTalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Flusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, which is SkyTalkers.com. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes and you wanted to do that, like we wouldn't say no to you doing that <laughs> to you going and leaving us a review on itunes <laughs> please do it please 
pretty place. <laughs> I had there's this um other podcast I listen to. You listen to it as well. Uh, Bad on Paper, and they have they have at the beginning of their show. It's called the Desperation Minute, and basically they just spend a minute begging their listeners <laughs> to leave reviews. So it was Caitlin's birthday last week. So please yeah. leave us a review. Our Desperation Minute because shamelessly is. For my birthday present, so please go leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> it really does help us, though. Mm-hmm. Like, just to be serious, it really does help new listeners find our show because it it pushes it to like the front of when people search for Star Wars podcasts. It like m- the algorithm works in a way that it makes it seem like you know people are engaging with our show, and Apple will favor it. So it is really helpful. So thank you to everyone who's done that so far. And if you're doing it right now, thank you so much. Yes. It's helpful and it makes us smile. So it really does. Yes, okay. absolutely. Uh, but if you have other comments or other things you'd like to talk to us about, you can also email us at skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com. We will return your emails. Sometimes we're a little late, but we do get back to all of our emails in our inbox. So send us an email there on your thoughts. And, uh, yes. And we also have our Patreon too. If you're interested, we do bonus episodes, commentaries. We also have our discord server up for our Patreons. If you're interested in supporting us there too. I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons, Jason, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Gina, Shelbo, Joey, James, Kathy, Gee, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Swara, Bradley, Lakshana, Candice, Kristen, Ewan, The Talk Rock, Shock Jock, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, Jalea, Matthew, Cap- Captain Britton, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, I Rebel, Kimberly, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Centara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Claire, Brad, Unspeakable, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Robbie, Kirsty, the Clashing Sabers podcast and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support really means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.